Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Patty, how are you this week as the rain begins to fall? Well, in beautiful, delightful Dublin, it is... Uh, I was going to say it in Irish, but I actually am confident enough that I can say that the sun is splitting the stones on like uh, on green eggs glitch. I don't even fucking remember. You probably do because you're from the fucking Gale Talks. But anyway, the sun is splitting here. You know, it's absolutely shining and it is very, very humid and very, very warm, um, which I don't mind. I like fucking humid and I like warm. So it's all good by me. But it's not great when you have an you know, uh, an office job, basically, where I sit in my room, and my room is basically just completely south facing. So the sun beams into it, and the room heats up to about 60 degrees Celsius, you know, it's not ideal, but we get it done. We're making fucking moves. How are you, Gary? How was your week? Is there anything going on in your life that the beautiful people that listen to us need to be aware of? No, that was fantastic. And that's the podcast, guys. So if you want to get in contact with us. Um, no, okay. Well, that was a terrible response. But anyway, look, we'll move on from that swiftly. Um, so the podcast topic today is, as you've probably got from the you know, tagline or whatever, um, is does what you eat matter, right? Is it all just calories, right? And obviously, we're continuing on from the discussion of calories, this broader energy balance discussion that we've been having in relation to fat loss, right? And to basically make this an extremely short, very, 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 very short uh, podcast topic in terms of fat loss, right? If we're sticking purely to fat loss, does what you eat matter to an extent? No, right? To a large extent, no, unfortunately, right? And I say unfortunately because there's a huge whole lot of other things that it does actually matter for that are related to fat loss right namely say for example like we want fat loss right if we are in a calorie deficit yes we are going to change our weight right because remember it's weight that is related to calories it's not necessarily like fat or muscle or whatever and there is obviously a relationship there but it's not a a one-to-one like it is with weight right so it's weight that's related to calories however most people are not looking to just become smaller versions of themselves, right? Especially without listening to this, they want to be stronger. They want to be fitter. They want to be healthier. They want to build some muscle, you know? So it's like the stuff that we do with the diet does actually influence all of those other things. So again, most people are not going to be like, Oh, well, I'm 80 kilos. Now I only want, I want to be 60 kilos, but I basically want to look the exact same, you know, the same shape I have now. And I just want to be a smaller version of myself, you know? Most people don't want that when we're talking about fat loss. Most people want actual fat loss, which usually entails some degree of you know building some muscle, creating a certain look, a certain shape, a certain you know physique that we're looking for. And that's both men and women, regardless of you know who we're talking to. It's like they're looking for a certain look rather than just a certain scale weight. And you might use scale weight as a proxy, but anyone who actually chases scale weight quickly realizes that it's not. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't actually give you what you want. You know, it's a, it's a false God, if you will. Right. So that's the important part of the discussion. Understanding that what you eat doesn't matter necessarily for manipulating your weight. Right. But we're not talking about, we're not doing a weight loss series. We're doing a fat loss series. Right. So for fat loss, what you eat does matter a bit more. 
right? And this is something that you need to be aware of. Is that true in your mind, Gary? Is it, you know, just from a, an energy perspective and, you know, looking at weight, would you be like, right, it actually kind of doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't really matter what you eat. It's just eat whatever, hit your calories, boom, we're done. But if we're talking about fat loss, like we're trying to preferentially get fat loss, does what you eat actually matter, right? And before that, obviously, look, we're going to caveat this and say, and we will touch on it later on. There are obviously, you know, we always say there's basically three outcomes you can look for when you're looking at all of this stuff. It's like, you've got health, you've got body composition and you've got performance, right? Right now, we're just talking about the body composition stuff. Later on, we'll talk about performance a bit and we'll talk about the health aspects, but just from a body composition standpoint, zeroing in on manipulating weight and then zeroing in on manipulating fat mass. What are, we, what are you thinking, Gary? Does, you know, what you eat actually matter? Yes. So when it comes to changes in weight, as you said, it's going to be primarily determined at least beyond like very short term periods of time uh, on your caloric intake. Okay. So the overall energy content of the diet. And this is the case relatively independent of the specific macronutrients that have been consumed. So obviously there's a a contribution of different foods to the thermic effect of feeding, which you'll already know if you've been listening to the last few episodes. Um, but that's kind of where we transition from also discussing weight loss versus fat loss, as you said. So you could absolutely eat cereal four times a day. And if you're in a calorie deficit, you'll begin to lose weight. Okay. Even if it's a sugary cereal or it's sweets or it's chocolate or ice cream or whatever you'd like to choose. Insert whatever banned foods. Yeah. It literally doesn't matter anything. Okay. Once you're in that deficit of energy, however, when we look to uh, when we look at changes in weight, that could be the result of uh, changes in uh, fat mass, of course, but it could also be the result of loss of muscle mass, which is something we definitely don't want when trying to pursue fat loss for multiple reasons beyond just the aesthetic. Okay, because uh, muscle preserves health. Muscle preserves performance um, and muscle also preserves uh, weight loss maintenance. So when you're when you're thinking about fat loss, then obviously macronutrients become a little bit more important. And particularly the one that stands out as being most important there would be protein, where if you if you have a low protein intake while in a calorie deficit, you are adding and one catabolic signal to another catabolic signal. So you're increasing the chances of muscle loss. And therefore you could lose, let's say a certain amount of uh, fat mass, but you've also lost a certain amount of muscle mass. And the aesthetic appearance might be that you haven't lost any body fat at all because you've taken out some of the, the solid structure underneath that body fat and your relative body fat percentage might still be the same or even have increased might even have increased as a result of muscle loss. And obviously it's far more of a concern for people who don't train at all um, because that anabolic signal that training provides is, is not there at all. So um, that is one of the reasons that we would always encourage people who are trying to lose weight to train, you know, to try to build muscle, even if they don't want to, it will maintain what they have. And that's something that's really important. And this is something that you might not think is an actual issue in terms of like, you might be listening to this, you know, you've just stumbled across and you're like, oh, it's fat loss. I'm just looking to, for the answer for like, does what I eat matter? Like, 
it actually does like i couldn't tell you the amount of people especially when i work with people in person like the amount of people that would come up to you and be like right oh i've tried fat loss diets before i've tried like you know dieting before and all that happened was again i became a smaller version of myself i didn't actually get the look or you know the the type of physique that i wanted you know it's like yeah again you might have been following this calorie controlled diet and you might have lost weight on it but again if you're not actually providing the inputs that leads to what we want which is again like in this this context it's an aesthetic you know a, a look uh, a physique uh, an image whatever it's like if you're not actually providing all of the inputs to reach that of course you're not going to reach that you know so why did you expect that right but again people just don't know that there are other inputs such as resistance training again such as you know building some muscle in some key areas such as retaining muscle like there are a lot there is a lot going into this uh, beyond just managing calories you know so that is something that again you need to be aware of right and to really start off this discussion unless you have anything else to say gary no that's good so to really start off this discussion like let's let's lay all the cards on the table right so there's a few things again remember we're talking about body composition change here now right there is a concept for dieting called IIFYM, right? If it fits your macros, right? And this would postulate, and this is where a lot of the, we'll call it issues arise, where people use that concept of IIFYM, right? And they're talking about, does what you eat matter in the concept of someone that's tracking their calories and macros, right? Now, if we're talking about someone who's only tracking their calories, it's less, or it's, sorry, I should say, it's more of a concern um, what you eat, right? Because, First of all, again, hunger is a thing. We need to actually be satiated from the diet that we eat, et cetera. There's a whole host of other things that go into that. But also, like, if you're not actually actively tracking the macronutrients as well, even if it's, you know, just protein, like you're just tracking calories and protein, um, that's a huge, huge benefit for actually, you know, manipulating your health, a huge benefit for manipulating your body composition, your performance, et cetera, right? So this is where a lot of the disconnect you know, comes from because people will be doing like IFOM and they'll be like, all right, what I eat doesn't actually matter. But they're saying that in the context of eating a macronutrient balanced and calorie balanced diet, right? So that's the context you have to realize going into this discussion that these people are actually, you know, micromanaging the minutia in terms of well, the the macrocia, uh, the, the the macros, you know, they're actually, they're micromanaging that stuff. So you have to be aware of that going into the discussion, right? Because if you said to someone in the real world, oh, what you eat doesn't matter. You can eat whatever the fuck you want. And um, as long as you stay within your calories, you know, like that's not actually likely to produce the results that you want, right? For body composition, health, performance, whatever, right? So you already have to peel back that layer in terms of understanding what people are actually doing in the real world versus what people are doing in this niche of like the the health and fitness world where people count calories and macros etc you know so do you have anything to say on that gary in terms of like this whole iifym like where that fits in the bigger picture because i know a lot of practitioners who or i should say iifym practitioners if i could actually finish my thoughts um would be like oh calories don't matter just hit your macros hit your calories right but that's already going above and beyond what a lot of people are doing in terms of the, you know the real world so what are your thoughts on that while i close this window yeah so i mean like the thing to understand is that when most people in the general population are starting the process of trying to lose body weight or fat they're going to start by trying to make some 
qualitative changes to the foods that they're consuming. This typically involves people, you know, cutting out the chocolate in the evening, cutting out the crisps, maybe maybe stopping drinking sugar sweetened beverages, etc. And like that's a really important thing to try and grasp is where people are actually at at the beginning. And very often what can happen is that people might just cut out some of these foods and they increase their vegetable intake or whatever. And the result of that modification of food quality is that they end up feeling fuller. You know, they end up feeling more energetic. They don't have the same cravings or tendency to overeat. And as a result, they begin to lose weight. So despite the fact that they haven't tracked anything, the qualitative changes in um, in terms of the satiety value of the meals and the likelihood to, for overconsumption, that facilitates them losing weight. No calorie tracking required, okay? So this is something that that's important to get because that's actually a relatively easy change, you know, for people. And calorie tracking itself can be very easy for some people, but for others, it mightn't be something that is sustainable for them. It mightn't be something that they're open to at this point in time. It might be a, a literacy issue, particularly a digital literacy issue in terms of if you're advising someone who maybe isn't so savvy with smartphones, like an elderly individual, if they make the qualitative changes to their diet without having to go through all these steps of weighing and tracking, et cetera, that's a very positive thing. So the, the if it fits your macros approach, it, it sort of assumes a certain amount of, of knowledge already. And that's what you generally see from individuals who do track their calories and kind of eat whatever they want is that they're already very savvy with calorie tracking. They already know how to get in their protein. They already know how to get in their fiber and they'll be selecting specific foods to try to hit those things potentially. Whereas the beginner who's just starting to improve their nutrition, they've never gone through that phase of just changing their diet qualitatively, trying to eat more vegetables, trying to figure out where to get protein in the diet. Where do I get fiber? Where do I get carbohydrates? And I think if someone can get that down first and foremost, um, or as part of the calorie tracking process, that's far superior to just giving someone numbers and saying, eat whatever you want. Because uh, yeah, I think we need, we need some structure and some rigidity uh, before we can kind of reach this ultimate flexible uh, idea. Yeah. And this is unfortunate again, because like, if you're trying to educate people, like you're a content creator or just even like you know, just someone on social media, that's like, oh, I want people to eat better. And you're advising them to do like an IIFIM approach. And it's like, yeah, you have to remember where you started. And like we use like a, an IIFIM, like or a macro approach or whatever, you know, calories, macros, we assign those kind of things for a lot of our clients. Obviously, it depends on the population, depends on what they're coming to us for, et cetera. Um, but we use it as a teaching tool. It's like, this is the first intervention we're, or maybe not the first, it depends, you know? And um, this is an intervention we're using to educate you about the diet so that you can make better choices with the diet, right? Well, it's a tool to make better choices, which implies that the choices you make with the diet do actually matter, right? Because, you know, that's what we're aiming towards. We're aiming to improve that, right? So that is something to be aware of. It shouldn't just be a case of like, oh, I learned how to count calories and macros. And like, that's the end of my nutritional education, you know? And that can, that's a lot of people fall, find themselves in that boat, right? And this is why, like, I, there's probably studies on this, but I, in my, you know, limited uh, knowledge, um, most people that practice like IFOM have the shittest relationship with food, you know, like the vast majority of them have dietary practices that are extremely poor, 
you know of like on any like you go to like you know there's obviously like you know binge eating and you know disordered eating and metrics and whatever and you look at them you're like this is the stuff that you're talking about that these individuals have and the stuff that people that practice ifam you know talk about is i don't know where that cut out but anyway i will edit this later on um what i was saying is that people with that practice an IFYM approach generally have far too much overlap in terms of their thoughts, in terms of their dietary practices with people who actually have like disordered eating patterns that actually have disordered eating thoughts that have disordered eating, you know, approach to the diet overall. So it's like, this maybe isn't the best approach long-term for everyone. Now, some people, again, it depends on the way you do it. Like most things it's like, you know, like a gun isn't dangerous. It depends on how you use the fucking gun. Like, you know, obviously, you know, it's like, it's, it's just a tool, right? Tools aren't inherently dangerous. It's the person using the tool or the way they are using the tool, right? Um, so that that is something to be aware of that, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that people put out with IFYM is actually just really, really bad advice in terms of like having a good relationship with food. And that's because they actually don't think that, diet quality matters right now and obviously that's not all of them we're tying with the same brush like i i track my calories and macros so technically i would be considered someone who practices ifym so i'm in the same category right and um, but as i was saying a lot of them just have a really really poor relationship with food with the diet overall and that is probably a result of you know first of all a bit of a selection bias in terms of like you know who goes and tracks calories and is real anal with their diet it's probably people that already have some disordered eating thoughts or whatever and then also it's like this method of manipulating the diet probably causes some sort of disordered eating thoughts along the way as well right and um, but bringing it back to the actual question you know a lot of these individuals will be like right oh yeah what you eat doesn't matter however again it's in the context that they're already tracking all their calories and macros so it matters less but that doesn't mean that it doesn't matter right and this is why i was talking about them having a shit relationship with food because most of them would not be able to actually regulate their intake if my fitness pal was just to fucking break you know like wherever my fitness pal has their central hub you know where they keep all their data where they do whatever where they have their servers or whatever right if that was to just get nuked right it's just gone right all of these people in the fitness industry they're like oh yeah i'm really good with my diet blah blah, blah. i know how to manage my my cravings i know how to do this like they're all fucked you know like they actually haven't built up good diet patterns they haven't built something that is you know strong resilient they haven't built something that they're going to be able to do into their 70s 80s 90s it's just oh i eat according to an app i don't know about internal hunger signals i don't know how to actually eat quality foods so that i feel full so that i'm you know energetic throughout the day etc right they're just like oh whatever numbers i have left i just hit those you know it's like this is probably a poor relationship with food. It's not a resilient approach. You know, like what happens when you go traveling? And then again, you see what happens when all these people that do purely like an IFYM approach go traveling. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden you're like, your diet turns to fucking muck because you don't actually have any good diet skills. You just know how to input data and stick to within a certain amount of calories and macros, right? So what you eat does matter. It matters less if you're tracking it, like, really anally you're just like every single thing you're like oh i have to do this but even then it's like it, it still matters you're just trying to bypass how much it matters does that make sense yeah it's just it's the difference really between 
um, explicit and impl implicit uh, caloric restriction because all you're doing when you track calories is you're explicitly restricting your calories. You're explicitly saying, this is where I'm going to stop. So you have some sort of rigidity, whether you like it or not, because you have uh, rigid rigidity in those targets. Like, yes, you can be flexible with the types of foods that you're consuming, but you're also saying, I need to hit these specific targets. And as a result, any consideration of hunger cues often goes out the window. Um, the implicit version of that then is that, all right, you're not explicitly setting a calorie target, but you're implicitly restricting your calories through the act of selecting certain foods over others. For example, uh, eating chicken breast and boiled potato and broccoli versus eating, I don't know, a really tasty Southern fried chicken stir fry type of dish. You're be going to be able to eat a lot more of the latter, regardless of how much you're measuring of the two, because that's more palatable. So you're making this conscious choice to choose the version that, you know, it's, it might still be tasty, but it's not hyper palatable. And there's going to be implicit caloric restriction that results from that, because you know that that's going to allow you to feel more full and for there to be a less of a tendency to overeat. So there's implicit calor caloric restriction there. There's more flexibility in that because in, in, in one domain, because the person has the ability to decide when they stop. Okay. So they might reach a certain point and say, yeah, I think I'm full enough after that. You know, I, I don't think I need dessert, but they might have more rigidity then in terms of the specific food choices. So in one version, you're restricting the overall calories and you're rigid in terms of the calorie level that you achieve. And then the other version, you're maybe a little bit more restrictive with food choices, but you're, you know, you have a bit more freedom with exactly how much you consume. They're both means of restricting calories if they are contributing to a calorie deficit and thus weight loss. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's different tools for, for different jobs and, and they both ultimately serve a similar purpose. 100%. And again, I think anyone who actually has ever dieted or any like sort of like managed their nutrition, they will notice the differences in terms of, oh, I eat so certain foods and they seem to keep me fuller for longer. Oh, I eat certain foods and I seem to be hungry, you know, straight afterwards, or I just want more of that food or whatever. Right. So again, like you can just, you, you can notice this yourself that this does clearly play a role. Right. And again, you are basically bypassing it by doing this IFOM stuff, you know, but even if you do IFYM and you hit your macros, you probably had days where you're like, oh yeah, I feel really full, feel great on this diet, feel energetic, etc. And you've had days where you're like, oh, I'm actually prioritized, you know, less palatable or more palatable foods, less satiating foods. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm hungry. I don't feel great on this diet. I'm you know, tired. I don't have energy, etc. Right. So that is important to know. Right. And one of the key things with all of this stuff, especially as it relates to like, does what you eat matter is we have to talk about protein, right? Because protein, as we mentioned earlier on is like it's pretty it's one of the pretty big things in terms of like what you actually eat and the results that you get right because as we said earlier on it is one of the things that helps you retain slash build muscle right so again we're trying to look for in this conversation anyway we're trying to look for a certain physique that we're looking towards or a certain aesthetic you know whatever image so we want to manipulate that and one of the ways we do that is with the use of protein right uh, the intake of protein now obviously it does have health impacts in terms of like positive health impacts i don't mean negative ones right obviously it contributes to better health especially longer health in terms of you know you build more muscle all of a sudden you're living to 90 years old because you actually can get up 
from a fall. You can survive a fall. You know, you can actually still be mobile into your 90s, etc. Right. And so protein is really important. And as a result, if protein is important, what you eat does actually matter. Right. So it's not just calories. It's not just the energy balance of the diet. The foods you consume on that diet clearly play a role. Right. So with protein, we want to have that at, you know, at, again, depends on the population, but as that really rough and ready rule, a gram per pound is just a fucking generic. But the one I always say uh, for people, I feel like, oh, I don't know how much muscle I have or what my goals are or whatever. I'm like, whatever your height is in centimeters, that's the, that's the amount of protein that you should be eating. You know, <laughs> like again, rough and ready, that's not going to be for everyone. Like obviously if you're not, resistance training you're you are doing excessive resistance training you are doing sports on top of that it's all going to modify that number but as a rough and ready rule i like to you know what's your height and use that or your height in centimeters and use that number now obviously look if you are absolutely jacked out of your mind you know like say i'm 195 196 centimeters right imagine that i was actually like 120 130 kilos of muscle obviously that's not going to work for me that number right i'm gonna to have to use my weight however most people that are natural because i'm you know it would just not be natural if i was 120 or 130 kilos of muscle right most people are natural that number is going to work for them in terms of like their centimeters their height in centimeters you know and um, but you have anything to say on protein gary um i suppose one thing to consider on, on the protein front obviously quantity you've discussed clearly important but quality is also something that that does come into this i was just discussing it with a client yesterday where um this in, he's a new client actually and he's, he's he was vegan for i think five years and is now kind of pushing back to vegetarianism and obviously in those cases protein quality becomes important now how important that is does somewhat depend on overall protein quantity because generally if you have adequate, if you get up to the levels that we generally recommend, let's say two grams or more kilos, um, or two grams, two grams or more of protein per kilo of body weight, like you're probably fine, even if it's from plant-based sources or a large proportion of it from plant-based sources. Um, but you do, you do obviously sacrifice depending on the specific plant-based source. You sacrifice leucine content and branch chain amino acid content often, and that can potentially lead to less of a muscle building effect or muscle retentive effect at a given level of protein. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that obviously, again, what you eat matters and getting more animal protein or protein from animal sources is something that is um, beneficial. Uh, but if you are on a plant-based diet that you're at least seeking out maybe some sort of um, plant-based protein source, looking at the amino acid content, or that you're just conscious of getting your protein sources in at each meal you consume. Yeah, and also another point just to, you know, on the back end of that as well, it's like, it clearly is important beyond just looking at the protein, because a lot of say, you know, plant-based proteins, like you're getting other stuff along with that. And it's the same with meat as well. Like, you know, I was going to say meat-based proteins, but like just meat in general. And like the protein you get, yeah, that's one thing, but you also get fats with it, you know, in, in you know, the carnivore type diet or omnivore type diet. It's like the protein source generally comes along with something like fats. And it's the same with a vegan or vegetarian diet. It's like, oh, the protein source that you're eating also comes along with carbohydrates, comes along with fats. 
And this is obviously something that you have to factor in, right? Because if you're trying to stay within your calories and the only protein sources you have available to you are, you know, super high calorie, you know, uh, accessory calories, if you will, like they're, they're coming along with a load of carbohydrates or they're coming along with a load of, you know, fats or something. It's like, it's going to be harder for you to manage your calorie number while also hitting this protein number, right? So again, indicates that the foods you eat matter, you know? So it's, it is something to be aware of, right? And then above and beyond that, um, and this is probably more important, although we don't actually think of it in, at least in the, the Western world or the developed world, I don't know which one is worse to say these days. Apparently you're not supposed to say either of those things. I don't know what we're supposed to refer to it as, but you know what I'm talking about. And um, the world that we live in, um, if you're listening to this, most of you live in this world, you yeah? um, micronutrients, right? These are clearly, like you need to get your micronutrients in, right? Because like you can get a whole host of diseases if you don't, right? And like, you might not think of this, but like it, it's literally only within the last hundred years, you know, that we haven't had all of these other diseases that are associated with micronutrient deficiencies. And like, you still see it occasionally, like, you know, people will develop rickets, especially like, you know, children that are abused or something, like they'll get like rickets, rickets, I should say, and from like vitamin D deficiency and stuff like that. Like you will see it occasionally. And um, like, and for example, like a lot of, there's a, a study that shows that like whatever it is, like I think it was 10% of students have like slow su subclinical scurvy. You know, they're literally just, just below that level of having scurvy. And if you remember back from your, like your history and your like, you know, teen years, like scurvy was a disease that like, you know, they was say like sailors and pirates and stuff used to get because they weren't getting like vitamin C in their diets. Right. And obviously that was cured or fixed by citrus fruits and stuff. And um, but a lot of like, especially students, they don't eat vegetables, they don't eat fruits, they don't eat anything that has any vitamin C in it, right? So they're in this uh, deficient state from vitamin C, right? And that again comes with scurvy. And then they're like, oh, I wonder why every time I brush my teeth, uh, I, you know, there's blood everywhere. You know, it's like, all right, well, you know, you've got fucking scurvy, mate. You need some, <laughs> some help here, right? But again, we don't often think about this because we live in a world of abundance. And we've already kind of eradicated all of these issues. But micronutrients are clearly important, not just for preventing disease, but also for actually creating optimal function within the body, right? For actually getting the results that you want in terms of body composition. Yeah, for sure. Again, that's what the topic of conversation is here, but especially in terms of health and performance, right? You're not getting enough of the micronutrients that you need. You're not going to have good health. You're not going to have good uh, performance. You're not going to have good body composition because you might not think you're like, oh, how does that influence body composition but if you're like oh i have absolutely no energy because you're iron deficient like, you're not fucking burning off extra calories through meat you're not training hard because true like you know that eat that eat burning and um, because you don't have any fucking energy you don't have enough iron you know so it's like micronutrients are clearly important and it's not just good enough to be like oh yeah well i'll just have a a, a multivitamin and that'll cover me it's like that's that is the most ludicrous statement to ever make because right? it, it actually doesn't it doesn't actually fix the issue because it's like okay cool again like all we've done now is bring in a micronutrient or a, a multivitamin that potentially helps with certain things but you're not actually getting all the stuff that you need potentially because this multivitamin is trying to pack in as much of the you know beneficial stuff as it can but it doesn't mean that it gets them all in the best quantities or the best forms or whatever that an actually well-planned diet could get right and especially if a, a varied diet and also we don't know all the stuff that's in food. You know, you might think that we do, but we don't. You know, there's other stuff in it like phytonutrients, um, 
different bioactive com uh, compounds, even stuff like, you know, uh, micro RNA, you know, which is obviously topical. Whenever you mention RNA, people are like, oh, vaccines, you know, like, bro, you've been eating RNA the whole fucking time, you know, <laughs> um, because you eat it through food, right? Um, so, like all this stuff, it is important to understand that there is more in your food than just the macronutrients. And a lot of people, especially people that, again, do this kind of IIFOM style diet, they actually are micronutrient deficient, even though they're like, oh, well, I have my multivitamin. It's like, yeah, well, you actually have a severe, severe lack of stomach acid because you don't get enough zinc because your protein intake has been, you know, poor or you're like, I don't know, fucking different things and all of a sudden you're like oh my stomach acid doesn't actually fucking secrete the way i want it to and now all of a sudden you're not actually absorbing nutrients elsewhere and it's like you know it clearly fucking matters what you eat because it influences all that stuff which we'll touch on later on again but do you have anything to say about micronutrients no i agree with everything you said i mean it's a it's a fairly simple case i think most people actually generally tend to be aware of this that you know consuming more fruits vegetables um you know lean meats etc that they tend to be nutrient dense sources of food and that as a result if you're trying to improve your nutrient status that you try to eat you know plenty of colorful foods you try to eat nutrient dense foods um yeah i, I think i think people are probably aware of that and i would be in agreement with everything you said fantastic and then just obviously as it relates to body composition because again we're talking about fat loss here remember um stuff like sodium and potassium like electrolytes you know these clearly play a role in terms of body composition like if you're always going like oh i'm always so watery i always feel like bloated or whatever like well bloating is a different issue not entirely but you know whatever right you're always like oh i feel real watery and i can't get a pump in the gym blah 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 right there could be issues going on in terms of like your electrolyte balance overall so again that, that's influenced by what you eat and this is especially true of people who eat a Western diet that's just usually typically very high in sodium, right? And like, I hate these arguments generally, but like ancestrally, like, you know, we didn't consume a huge amount of sodium, right? Like there are need for sodium is quite low in comparison to other things. And um, uh, although we do have a very good detection method in terms of like, we can taste, like we kind of like, oh, I need something salty. Like your body will signal you know, like, you know, like your body signals hunger and you're like, if you're trying to describe what hunger is, it's hard to describe it. Like your body will also signal that, oh, I need salt. And like, you will get like salt cravings. You'll be like, oh, I want some salty food, right? Like your body is able to sense that. However, traditionally, like ancestrally, like we wouldn't have ever had a need to develop those senses for something like potassium, right? So this is why people are like, it's a stupid argument where people say like, oh, like your body will tell you what it needs, right? Your body's never going to tell you that you are potassium deficient. It's never going to do it. It doesn't have a mechanism of telling you, right? <laughs> like if your body is sodium deficient, it'll be like, you'll start having cravings for salty foods, right? Because traditionally, again, if that was the case, like ancestrally, you would have gone to a fucking salt lick. You know, that's what, you know, prey animals do. They would have gone to a salt lick, lick some fucking rocks that are salty. Where in our case, you know, maybe we'd gone to fucking salt water fish or something, you know, got something salty. You know, we, we would have found a way to do it, right? Because again, we'd have been like, oh, we need some sodium, right? Um, but ancestrally, we would have eaten a, like a high potassium diet, right? You think about like tubers, you know, like potatoes and stuff, which is like the vast majority of humans we ancestrally uh, 
like grew up or evolved eating stuff like tubers, which are fucking packed full of potassium, right? Vegetables, again, packed full of potassium, right? So like we don't have a method of detecting when potassium is low because we've never needed one because our diet has always traditionally been packed full of potassium, right? Like we need something like 15 grams of potassium per day, right? The fucking who, all these health organizations are like, do not eat more than five grams of sodium per day. You know, it's bad for your health, right? Like 15 grams versus five grams. I'm like, there's a fucking huge difference here, right? But most people, if you eat a shit diet, you don't, like you literally eat like, I don't know, whatever, bread and whey protein or something like you probably fucking end up deficient in potassium pretty fucking quick you know um and this has implications for first of all the, the way your body looks and the way your body performs and obviously health especially related to like stuff like blood pressure you know you're like oh why is my blood pressure so you know terrible even though i've been tracking my calories even though i've been like you know eating these certain macros it's like yeah you're, you're just actually deficient in a load of fucking micronutrients and your actual diet model is terrible right and again that's it's something that can be hard to actually interpret, especially if you don't have, you know, a, an understanding of all the complexities of a diet, but it's like, listen to what other people say. It's like, eat, you know, fruit and vegetables, eat lean meats. You know, it's like, there's your foundation of your diet. There's a reason why pretty much everyone agrees that that's the foundation of the diets because that gets the stuff that you need, right? And um, do you have anything to say on that, Gary? No, that's all good. Further to that then is, well, is fiber you know like this is like we need fiber you know uh, well this is technically not true you don't actually need fiber however it is it does provide a very fundamental role in human physiology in terms of helping us poop but also in terms of like doing stuff like you know bile acid sequest sequestration that's how you say that word isn't it? and and like getting bile out of the body helping to reduce cholesterol, et cetera. You know, this is also one of those things where it's, it's real funny when you see like people talk about like ancestral diets and they're like, oh, well, you know, we eat these ancestral diets and they had way more like animal produce and whatever. It's like, yeah, they probably also had like 150 grams of fiber per day, you know? So like their cholesterol would have been fucking looked after because of that as well, as well as the fact that they probably had copious amounts of infections and parasites, which also tend to lower your cholesterol or even we should say like having higher cholesterol in those situations is potentially beneficial right and um, but that's another story for another day right but in this context fiber is beneficial for your diet right it's very beneficial for helping with your body composition change because it's going to keep you fuller for longer so you're actually able to stick to your diet able to stick to the calories the macros etc that you want to be on you know and i couldn't tell you the amount of people that have come to us and said like oh yeah like I'm hitting my calories and macros, but I'm always hungry. You know, like you've definitely seen this guy. You definitely had clients say this. I'm like, oh, I'm just very hungry on this. I'm like, okay, let's see. What are you eating here? And you're like, there is absolutely no vegetables here. You know, it's yeah. like you, you had a slice of tomato. That was your, <laughs> your only exposure. And you, you had tomato ketchup. It's like, there's your exposure to vegetables. You know, tomato is probably a fucking fruit anyway. Um, I actually think it is. But anyway, that's beside yeah. the point. Um. You know what I mean? It's like these people are just not eating vegetables, fruits and vegetables. And as a result, it's like you're not getting a lot of fiber in your diet. And as a result of that, you're obviously going to be very hungry all the time. Like while protein is satiating, like fiber is fucking super satiating. If you get that combo of protein and fiber, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I actually really don't want to eat anymore. Like I had one client that were like, oh, like I'm really hungry all the time. 
and I just want to, you know, I still want to diet, but I'm very hungry. And I'm like, okay, look, we're going to make some swaps here. And all we did was swap out, like they're having some bagels, right? They were like, all right, I have these regular bagels. We just swapped out to like high fiber bagels. And all of a sudden they were like, oh man, I feel great. You know, I'm stuffed now for the next three, four hours. You know, it's like, this is a simple swap, you know, like very simple, but it indicates that clearly what you eat matters, you know? And we could argue, it was like, oh, well, you know, like the, the calories and the macros, et cetera, stayed the same. But like, I would argue that fiber is a macro, so they, they technically didn't. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like, what you eat clearly matters. So it's not just like, oh, stay within your calories and hit your macros. You know, it's, there, there's a little bit more to it. Fiber is very, very beneficial. Do you have anything to say on that, Gary? No. Nope. fiber. This is, this is you all the time. You literally just be like, yeah, no, nothing to say. The next thing, right? The next thing is kind of fatty acids. Like fatty acids are clearly important. And um, the first one being omega-3s, right? Like again, you need these in your diet. We cannot create them ourselves. Well, that's not technically true. There are other omega-3s that you can, but anyway, that's beside the point. And um, like the essential fatty acids in our context, DHA, EPA, um, you need to get them from the diet. You can't make them yourself, right? And they're vital for brain development. Like if you think you're stupid, right? And you're not eating fish, you probably are stupid. <laughs> like if you're like, I'm not happy with the intelligence level that I have and you're not eating fish and like, yeah, unfortunately I have to <laughs> confirm that you are not intelligent. <laughs> um, so like they are really beneficial from a brain health perspective. They are really beneficial from, you know, a whole host of other benefits in terms of like insulin sensitivity, in terms of like, you know, cell membranes and cell fluidity, et cetera. Like and you literally just type in omega-3, whatever disease, whatever pathology you want, you'll find papers showing that omega-3s are beneficial. You know, <laughs> like I'm not even being, like I'm not even joking when I say that, like that's pretty much the case. They're universally beneficial, right? Um, so we need to eat omega-3s in the diet. And again, that indicates that what you consume matters it's not just calories you know you can't just be like oh i hit my fat macros and i hit my calories as a result of that it's all good it's like no the quality of the food that you eat in terms of like the the fatty acid composition clearly matters right also related to that in terms of we're talking about fats saturated fat right if you're just like oh i have 60 grams of fat to eat and you eat 60 grams of saturated fat like that is not the same as eating like 60 grams of monounsaturated fat you know or polyunsaturated fat, like they're going to lead to different outcomes in terms of body composition. Yeah, a hundred percent, right? In terms of like, where do the fatty acids come from that are on your body, right? Or in your body, I should say, in terms of like the fatty acid stores, right? They come from the diet that you eat, right? So you potentially do have a more tightly packed, more thicker packed, uh, like body fat, if you consume fatty acids that are mainly saturated fat, right? Now, this is not a hundred percent there's a little bit more nuance to it and um, but it is something that you do notice especially if you have someone who has traditionally eaten like a very like hydrogenated fat type diet or trans fatty acid type diet you know like you can feel that in their skin in terms of like if you ever if you ever have someone who like you know regularly monitors body fat like they use like a calipers and they're literally touching people's fat all the time like they'll be able to tell you how the composition of the diet affects like the actual feeling of that fat like you can you can feel the difference right um, and saturated fats also do that because again we're talking about body composition here we're talking about how the body you know, looks whatever right obviously relates to health we've done a whole podcast series on like cardiovascular health that is something that you should pay attention to as well but just in terms of a fat loss context as well if you have a diet that is you know higher in saturated fats like those saturated fats are 
as far as I'm aware, harder to kind of liberate from fat stores. So it actually makes fat loss a little bit harder if you have had a diet that is more fatty acids have come from saturated fat. And this, I would theorize, I haven't actually read a huge amount about it, but I would theorize that this is purely due to like, you know, stereochemistry in terms of like these saturated fats are much, more, much easier to actually you know, store together because they don't have any like kinks in them, like these double bonds and stuff. Um, so they're much easier to store together. And as a result, if you're able to pack things in nice and tight, like they don't come out as easily, right? Um, and that's not, again, like that's basically kind of anthropomorphizing, you know, <laughs> uh, biochemical events. But that is my thought process on that. Anyway, right? Do you have anything else to say on omega-3s or saturated fats as it relates to, you know, does what you eat matter? Uh, no, nothing to say. <laughs> no it doesn't matter uh no i mean like it, it it is very clearly the case that that these things matter like the type of fat in the diet is is very influential um for a number of diseases most notably very often cardiovascular disease is the one that comes up if you're eating a diet that's very rich in saturated fat you are increasing your risk of cardiovascular disease probably some contribution to things like fatty liver and other diseases as well but cardiovascular disease is the big one that people think of. So yeah, I'm trying to consume a diet that is richer in unsaturated fat and particularly trying to get in your omega-3s, whether that be directly through um, fish consumption in the diet or through omega-3 supplementation, um, especially if you're someone who is on a plant-based diet, it would be wise to do so. Um, so yeah, that that's important. I agree. 100%. Just eat those sea plants. That's what we need to do. Yep. Um, the next thing then, again, digestive health clearly matters. Like what you eat clearly matters for your digestion, right? In terms of you know, how your digestion functions, first of all, but also like if you're like, you can't say that, oh, what I eat doesn't matter as long as I hit my calories. If every time you eat like milk or something, you're like, I oh, am yeah, on, I basically shit my brains out. I feel digestive upset. I don't feel good. You know, it's like clearly what you eat matters. You know, it clearly matters to you, right? Um, and obviously that's not the case for everyone, but everyone will notice that there are certain foods that they react better to or react worse to in terms of digestive health, right? So it clearly, clearly matters. What you eat clearly matters in terms of digestive health, right? And obviously we're not going to dive in deep on that because that is a whole other topic in and of itself. But I think anyone with two brain cells to work together would be able to see that digestive health is influenced by what you eat. For some people more so than others, but most people are going to be able to say, oh yeah, actually that makes, that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, and related to that is inflammation. Some foods just seem to cause some people more inflammation than others, right? And that could be because they're somewhat allergic to them. That could be because, again, they have digestive issues as a result of them. It could be because, I don't know, like some of those proteins that they're eating are able to get into uh, circulation, and they cause like some sort of like kind of semi-autoimmune type reaction, or I shouldn't say autoimmune, I should say uh, some sort of immune type reaction. And, um, you know, like people have like, you know, they get gluten sensitivities or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, well, like your actual like gut lining is clearly not in a good place. So like we shouldn't be getting these intact proteins into the bloodstream. So something's going on here. And if that is you, uh, as a situ if that is an issue for you, again, it makes sense that what you eat, you need to monitor what you eat. If you have trouble like pooping regularly, like again, what you eat matters. Are you getting enough fiber? Are you getting enough you know, 
water are you chewing your food like there's so much that goes into it right and again if you're having like bloating distension all that kind of stuff what you eat clearly matters right it's not just a case of like oh i can eat anything and as long as i hit my calories and macros it's fine that's not the case if you know for half the day you have a food baby and you feel like crap you can't move again all of a sudden now your meat goes down your exercise activity goes down like it does have implications in terms of how you actually live your life and obviously we're talking more so with body composition here but obviously that has implications in terms of your health and your performance day to day like no one performs at their best if they feel bloated distended they feel like crap you know they're literally fucking like they, all they want to do is curl up into a ball on this fucking floor you know it's like you're not you're not you know presenting your best self to the world when you're like that right um so I don't have much else to say on that. I only have one final thing to kind of wrap it up. But do you have anything else that you'd like to make a note of, Gary, that would influence or that would make people or remind people, I suppose, that what you eat does actually matter? Yeah, I suppose like one thing to keep in mind is that especially as, as you move to the domain of thinking about health, a lot of the effects of nutrition on health are cumulative over the long term. And therefore, you might notice a difference in how you feel on a diet that we might consider to be of lower quality, but that difference could accumulate to something meaningful then over time, whether it be earlier neurodegenerative disease than would have been the case if you had had a diet richer in polyphenols, for example, um, or it could be that over time, you don't have the same level of brain development because you don't have omega-3 in the diet. Again, it's, these aren't things that you notice straight away. You can't feel atherosclerosis accumulating if you've got a high saturated fat diet. But long term, these things can then become um, clinically or personally significant. So I would just ask you to remind yourself that when you are thinking about your diet and that you analyze it objectively with the future in mind rather than subjectively with how you feel uh, in the moment in mind um, because while some while some instances of eating a crap diet can make you feel pretty crap in the short term particularly as you were just saying if it impacts your digestive health um, some instances some instances mightn't affect your perceived well-being all that much in the short term but might affect your health meaningfully in the long term and obviously when you think of long-term health it can then go on to impact body composition in the long term as well if you do end up unwell in, in any way. So, uh, yeah, just keep that long term perspective in mind. 100%. So, to kind of wrap it up, like, well, two things. First of all, like, if you are concerned about any of the things, you're like, oh, I don't know how my you know, vitamin D status is, or I don't know about how my diet is affecting my cholesterol or my habits or my exercise patterns or whatever, like, a lot of this stuff can be tested. You know, like if you're just like, oh, I don't know if my micronutrient status is up to scratch. I'm like, you can get testing for that. You know, like go to your doctor, tell them your concerns. They might be like, look, you don't need to be concerned about this. You know, it's like you're, you're, you're in a good position, right? You don't have any symptoms, blah, 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 right? And you might go to a diet. They might refer you to a dietitian. You might analyze your diet and be like, yeah, actually, no, you're actually good to go, you know? Um, but you can get testing for a lot of this stuff. You can get testing from like direct to consumer testing. If you're like, right, I actually, I want to take my health into my own hands and I want to look after this stuff. Like you can do that, you know? Like there's different companies out there that do testing, right? Obviously, again, you can go to your doctor, and that would be our general recommendation because they're supposed to be the one that's looking after your health. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is that this doesn't mean that you have to be perfect with the diet all the time, right? So clearly what you eat does matter, 
right? It's not just all calories. You know, it's not just all calories and it's not just all calories and macros, right? What you eat does clearly influence a lot of things in terms of fat loss, in terms of body composition, in terms of weight loss, in terms of et cetera, right? And obviously, again, it's not the topic of this conversation, but it impacts on health and it impacts on performance, all that kind of stuff, right? But even though it does matter for that stuff, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect all the time. Like we always recommend like this kind of 80-20 or 90-10 rule in terms of like, okay, you don't have to be perfect all the time, but about 80% of the time, we want to be on point with our nutrition. You know, you allow for 20% of the time to have the little, you know, discretions, a little bit of like, oh, I have a bit of uh, foods that I want that I know I don't react as, you know, beneficially to you i know they give me a little bit of upset or you know they're not the best in terms of micronutrients or maybe it's a higher sodium food or you know this doesn't really have fiber and i normally like to get some fiber in at this meal or you know I, there's no omega-3s in this and i normally like to get omega-3s in at this meal or you know, maybe it has a higher saturated fat content or you know whatever right you can still have some of that in the diet now that's not the case for everyone some people need to do like a proper like restrictive diet just to cure their issues and get over their issues and um, or you know if you have something like uh, celiac disease like you can't have an, an 80 20 approach to uh, celiac disease you know it's like you just have to get rid of gluten right um so that is something to be aware of and it unfortunately means that people if i say 80 20 or i say 90 10 like people just take that to mean that oh yeah that's grand like i can have a little bit of stuff every single day or whatever but I mean, actually like analyze this stuff. Like, let's just go from a calorie perspective. You know, you have like 3000 calories per day to eat. Well, actually use 2000, you know, if you're on a 9010 rule, that means you've got like, whatever, 200 calories, you know, that's all you can eat extra, you know, quote unquote bad. That shouldn't be on thing. You guys see you going like, oh, I do this like 9010 approach to, you know, my, my diet or my nutrition or whatever. And you're like, but you just had like 2000 calories, well, 2000 if you're on a 2000 calorie diet, but you had like fucking a thousand calories of, you know, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Then it's like, that's not 90, 10. <laughs> it's like, you're eating like half your diet is this stuff, you know? So it's like, you do actually have to be honest with yourself if you are going to try to implement uh, some of these you know, thoughts that we've discussed. But anyway, do you have anything else to say, Gary, to kind of wrap that up rather than texting on your phone when you should be entertaining the people that listen to this podcast? actually keep receiving calls repeatedly that I have to keep hanging up. So <laughs> apologies. Um, but no, I don't have anything else to add. I think that you should, despite the fact that the goal of this podcast is to deliver the message about fat loss, I would just reinforce that point that um, what you eat absolutely matters for your health and your health absolutely matters in the long term. And uh, it certainly matters for your body composition in the long term uh, also. And additionally, if you can develop good habits with a solid base or foundation of a quality diet that is far more likely to stand to you in the long term with your body composition as well. Um, you want to have good food, uh, good habits and a good relationship with food. And you want to have some sort of dietary structure that you can replicate over time. Um, and that is ultimately what will then become your nature, your norm, and what will contribute to your lifelong body composition. So um, don't uh, underestimate the role that that basic structure or routine or diet quality plays um, in your life. Because like, again, it, it, it actually goes beyond just you as well. Because like, if you think about like, the family dynamic, let's say, if you are eating a a diet that's of good quality and you're cooking for your um, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever, 
and they start to eat healthy as well and they adopt those habits there's a feed forward effect there where you both impact each other and how you eat in the long term. And then that also, you know, impacts your children and the rest of your family, et cetera. And that, that then reinforces your own behavior over time. So um, if you, you know, are in a relationship or whatever, and you're going out for eating all the time and you're totally in this IFYM um, phase of your life and you just eat whatever, then your significant other is going to be doing the same thing or your friends might be doing the same thing. And that feeds forward as well in, in a maybe a more negative direction so um yeah consider the holistic picture as they say one thousand percent anyway Gary, where can people find us where can they get in contact? Uh, people can find us at all of the usual spots guys if you follow us on um instagram slash social media triage method or skinny gaz for myself paddy farrell is the real paddy farrell and brian is brian ohengasa um all on instagram you can also join our triage method newsletter or our facebook group the triage method community you can visit our website triagemethod.com you'll get information on there about both our coaching service and our education services so if you're interested in coaching yourself to get to work on your goals you can uh, find information there or in the description box below and then if you're a trainer who's interested in your education you can join the coach's corner information for which is below fantastic anyway i have nothing else to say so i hope everyone enjoys the rest of the week and their life month everything see you later guys